0: I'm Jessica Harris. This is From Scratch. My guest is Mark DaCosta, co-founder of Enigma, a company that allows users to make sense of information from public data sources in the United States and internationally. Enigma links across thousands of databases to uncover relevant facts that a user might not notice by looking at a single database. The universe of data sources to choose among include SEC filings, weather, public health records, government spending contracts, state sales tax receipts, among several others. Mark graduated from Columbia with a degree in philosophy in 2006, and he launched Enigma in 2013. Welcome. Thank you. How does Enigma work? Enigma,
1: the way that we generally talk about it is, is this, um we call it a search and discovery platform for public data. So as you were saying, essentially what it is is a central place where someone can go and uh, search across and relate um, a very wide variety of public data.
0: What are some ways in which you're getting the data? Like, are they basically on CDs Mm. or just vast piles of paper? Talk to me about the conversion from all these disparate offices to your ecosystem online.
1: There's a really wide spectrum across, let's say, the 50 states where... You know, for some states, they will do something like actually mail us a CD once a month, whereas other states are more sophisticated and they'll they'll actually make it available through an FTP feed or something like this. Some states, um, perhaps in the Midwest or in the South that we've called, there's sort of a process where we even need to sort of explain to them what we mean when we say like we want all of the records, you know, we want all of the companies that they have information on.
0: And what has been the posture of these states when you've called and said, hi, I'd like all your public information, please?
1: You know, again, it's certainly varied. Um, Some states have very streamlined systems for making this kind of data available. For instance, I believe California is, you know, maybe one or two hundred dollars, and you can get access to every company in the state. Um, Whereas a state like Delaware, which of course is very valuable in a conversation like this because so many companies are uh, incorporated there, charges several hundred thousand dollars, even close to a million dollars, depending on. Um, the scope of data that you want. And so this is one of the problems we, I think, run into a lot is that, you know, while this data is, is sort of technically public in a sense, the pathways for actually getting a hold of it and, and making it available are, are not always very clear.
0: So basically, you know, you have 20 or so people in your office just doing a forced march of the tedious work of making sense of it, or are there computer-like heuristics to facilitate that?
1: Yeah, really where, you know, the way that we view it is we want to be able to really just have the be able to draw upon human intelligence for what it's really best for, which is interpretation and understanding, and leaving the actual sort of dirty work of discovering and cleaning and, and ingesting data to uh, to a more programmatic approach.
0: We're talking at about 10,000 feet, mm-hmm. um, but can you provide specific examples of how somebody would find your your information relevant? Let's say to a an investor on Wall Street.
1: You know, one thing that you can use Enigma for is to actually go and get a, a kind of view of the fast food industry, for instance, that you wouldn't be able to get otherwise. Um, the reason for that is, and unless you are a subject area expert, this probably wouldn't occur to you, is that every time, let's say, a new drive through restaurant opens anywhere in the United States, like McDonald's or Burger King or whomever it might be, um, they actually have to go and file um, an application with the Federal Communication Commission. And what that creates is a kind of data signature of that new McDonald's that's open. And so using something like FCC licenses, you can now have a proxy for the growth of fast food restaurants. Or even looking at something like um, large public uh, look, companies that do a lot of um, work with the government. So you can think of companies like Boeing or Raytheon or Lockheed Martin or anything like that. All of their actual public sector revenue um, is available in government contracting databases. So, you know, whereas today an analyst on Wall Street might be, be looking at the 10K of a Lockheed Martin or something like that and see the high level line items of where that revenue is coming from. But with Enigma, they can actually go and see on the contract by contract basis, what agencies are giving them that money, what the contracts are for and and things of that nature.
0: Part of the value of this data is the linkages between data sets. What's an example of that?
1: One of the very interesting examples of this is, you know, as you might remember, back in the 2008 elections, it took a tremendous, tremendous amount of time for John McCain to actually announce who his vice presidential candidate was going to be. Um, but a journalist or blogger was able to figure out that it was going to be Sarah Palin. And the way that they did that, I think, is extremely, uh, really very interesting. So essentially what they did is they went to the Federal Election Commission and figured out who all of the big Republican fundraisers and donors were. And then they took that list of people and went to some company databases from the SEC and some other spots as well and said, okay, for all those people, what are the companies that are associated with them? Then they had a list of companies and people, and they went to the Federal Aviation Administration and said, okay, for those companies and those people, what airplanes do they own or control? And then they went to another database base in the Federal Aviation uh, Administration, and said, okay, for those airplanes, where have they been flying? And what that surfaced was that these, you know, essentially influential Republican planes, which had maybe never flown north of um, Vail, Colorado, or whatever it might be, were now all on a particular weekend showing up in Wasilla, Alaska. And so it was predicated on that, that the journalist was able to to sort of make his conclusion that Sarah Palin is probably being looked at very closely.
0: What's another example of finding meaningful information from linking uh, these data sources, let's say in the social sector?
1: Here we were we were working with um, a, a not-for-profit customer who is interested in what the connections between uh, playgrounds and child abuse were. So we were able to go out... Um, and sort of start to pull a bunch of demographic data about where child abuse is happening, as well as pulling things like building permits and contracts and other ways to start to build up a map of where playgrounds are throughout the United States. And predicated on that, we were able to run an analysis that, um, that sort of showed a positive indication that communities with playgrounds had lower incidences of, um, of child abuse.
0: How about some just you know, fun data that you might acquire, data that might be less useful, let's say, to an investor or an investigative re- reporter?
1: One of my favorite data sets that we've uh, recently gotten is one of New York City taxi data. So it tells you the pickup point and the drop-off point of every taxi ride, I think, in 2012. This becomes a really interesting data set because when you start playing with it and asking questions of it, you can see all kinds of really fascinating things emerge that let you actually watch over time how... Uh, this neighborhood in Bushwick in Brooklyn has been uh, up and coming. So people have sort of been talking about this neighborhood for a while. But to actually be able to see over the course of initially a couple of months and then a full year, the growth of, um, of trips from Manhattan and other parts of, of Brooklyn into Bushwick uh, was something that I, I personally found very interesting.
0: I'm Jessica Harris. You're listening to From Scratch. My guest is Mark DaCosta, co-founder of Enigma, an online company that uses the Internet to make public data available. If I was using Enigma to do research on you uh, before this interview, how would Enigma help me find information on you?
1: Well, that's a great question. You know, it's I think one of the first or second things that people generally do when they come to Enigma is search themselves. So if you were to look me up on Enigma, you would, of course, see my um, the fact that I have this company, Enigma, and that I'm sort of one of the officers and have been involved in fundraising and things like that. Um, you would maybe see things about uh, real estate records or campaign contributions that have sort of happened in the past. So I used to own an apartment in Los Angeles, so you would learn about that. So that's sort of, in a sense, the data picture you would get of me. If you went to Google and you searched for me, you'd find out very different things about me. Um, you know, you would find out uh, where I went to school. You would start to read articles and unstructured other interviews I've given and things like that. There's a very interesting kind of portrait that one can build up of a person by looking at, at both um Perspectives.
0: I want to talk about uh, what you were doing prior to launching Enigma. Uh, you were working for Intel, mm. uh, the technology company, and you were uh, working specifically on cartography. Mm. Uh, interactive cartography, m- mapping. What were you doing for them?
1: I was actually in a PhD program uh, at the University of California around cultural anthropology. I was under a fellowship that Intel had provided to go and do research on cartography in Amsterdam. So thinking about how we can better map the climate. So in a city like Amsterdam, how could we start to build and uh, bring in information about um, the buildings or the factories in the countryside or the more general um, economic activity that's Perhaps in impacting the local air supply,
0: I've heard that it was there that the germ for enigma emerged. How was that?
1: Yeah, very much. So, in the course of going to look for that data, I very quickly discovered that I was spending a lot a lot of, if not most, of my time actually going out finding and cleaning and maintaining this data. Um, and it was around that those sets of problems that um, uh, we started to work on Enigma.
0: You came up with the idea in Amsterdam Mm -hmm. uh, to start this company, and you reached out to uh, your college classmate, uh, Isham uh, Udgiri, Uh, who at the time was a currency trader on Wall Street. Why did you seek him out specifically?
1: Well, Isham and I um, have been uh, very close friends. We actually met in the philosophy department at Columbia and have been, you know, sort of talking on the phone every day for years at this point. And so, you know, it was was really sort of uh, a kind of idea that emerged, I think, between us uh, as we were both sort of encountering different problems with data. I mean, you know, on my end, it was trying to find things to help better describe um, the built environment in Amsterdam. And for Isham, it was, you know, trying to find more, um, more sort of quantitative data to help describe the causality for currency fluctuations and things like that.
0: And at what point uh, did he stop his Wall Street job? And Mm -hmm. did you stop your fellowship uh, to work full time on Enigma?
1: So we formally launched the company in in May of 2013, but it was um, two years earlier in 2011 that we sort of, you know, really sort of rolled up our sleeves and started to build out the the core technologies.
0: And was Um, that more just the exigency of, you know, feeding yourselves or?
1: Yeah, it was largely just sort of making sure from a a cash flow perspective that things were well enough situated that we would be able to to jump into it.
0: And during this time, you would beta test the technology. And one of the tests you did was with Harvard Business School students Mm -hmm. and faculty. How did you connect with them to have them test drive uh, your system?
1: A bit after Isham and I started to actually build the technology, we brought on a third partner, uh, Jeremy Brofman. He had actually just graduated from Harvard Business School, and so had uh, had a lot of relationships there.
0: Jeremy's family a few generations earlier started Seagram's, the beverage company. Uh, how do you know Jeremy?
1: Jeremy was uh, went to kindergarten with Isham, so they've known each other since forever. And then uh, Jeremy's originally from New York City, and so... Um, we would all hang out quite regularly while uh, Isham and I were at Columbia, so it's sort of we have a very deep kind of personal uh, history there.
0: Enigmas focuses on clients in academia and media and finance. It also seems like your investors reflect those worlds. Uh, The New York Times is an investor. American Express is an investor. And they might be interested in the small business lending universe, uh, looking at the credit histories of people or businesses they're thinking of giving loans to. Can you describe that further?
1: Sure, well, when you look at companies that do like under ten million dollars a year, they're sort of in that liminal state where they could be very profitable, very healthy companies, but they're not yet at that very big scale where they have audited financials and really a lot of supporting data to go along when they when they walk in to apply for a loan. So being able to actually get a sense of, um, you know, things like you know, what is the revenue of this company? How many people work there? Are they compliant? You know, are they up to date on, their, um, on all of their regulatory filings? Have they been getting fined for different things? Are there liens against that company? Um, by being able to take all of that data that's very much so scattered across multiple silos and package it in one way, we're able to help um, help, in this case, um, creditors make, uh, make better decisions.
0: I'm Jessica Harris, you're listening to From Scratch. My guest is Mark DaCosta, co-founder of Enigma, an online company that uses the internet to make public data available. The name Enigma was inspired by this man, Alan Turing, mm. who developed a machine in World War II to break codes. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us more about that?
1: Yeah, well, the um, actually the genealogy of Enigma is a bit, is a bit more complicated we try to play down too much of the World War II associations because the problem there was that the actual Enigma machine was the machine that the Nazis had to sort of encode everything. And of course, of course, Alan Turing was responsible for breaking the cipher of the Enigma machine, which was very instrumental in the Allies' uh, victory in World War II. Um, and of course, Alan Turing is a sort of father figure within modern computing as well. You know, and also when we sort of think of the the other meaning of Enigma, it's sort of this um, riddle or problem that you have to sort of bring your own ingenuity to, to unravel. And so we sort of think that those sorts of thematics when dealing trying to deal with all of the public data in the world uh, certainly resonate as well.
0: And it's enigma.io for people who are searching uh, to, to find Enigma online. And uh, .io, could you talk about?
1: Yeah, absolutely. .io is very interesting. So I think technically .io is a country-level domain. Um, that's tied to something called the uh, Indian Overseas Territory, I believe. Uh, the
0: British Indian Overseas.
1: Uh, yeah, so it's certainly it's a British possession. I think it's basically just an air base in the middle of the Pacific. Of course, that's, that's sort of a bit of its genealogy, but the reason that we chose .io is, of course, .com domains are almost at this point totally saturated. And over the last several years, there have been a lot of um, interesting data companies that have been popping up in the .io um, top-level domain space. So we almost like to call it the, the Soho of the internet. It's this sort of a fun up-and-coming uh, top-level domain space.
0: Speaking of Soho, uh, you live in Little Italy. Uh, I do. And ho- how come you chose that neighborhood
1: uh, in New York City? It's um, sort of at an intersection with a very um, a very large Chinatown off to the east. And then you could say sort of more of the sort of Chic and, and fashionable Soho to the north. And it's for me a very exciting place to be because it it has these sorts of residences of what New York City was like you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago. And of course, a history even much deeper than that.
0: You enjoy reading. Mm. What are you reading now?
1: <laughs> I'm reading, uh, currently, I'm reading uh, Tom, Thomas Pynchon's uh, The Bleeding Edge. One of the things that's been most evocative to me uh, about the book so far is the way that Pynchon is able to capture. Uh, in a way that feels very familiar and lively, the sort of what New York City felt like in 1998 or 1999. I mean, the city that was sort of just on the sort of tipping point into a, sort of into a kind of gentrification that we're now we're now seeing.
0: Is there any relevance to to your work at all, or personally in, in reading the book? Not not yet. Nothing. So. But it's just
1: it's something that. Uh, but you know, I'm I'm a very avid reader, so I'm, I always try to have a have a, a novel close at hand.
0: Like Philip Roth's uh, American Pastoral, you know, he focuses so much on glove making or leather, leather manufacturing. Do you ever feel like, wow, you know, he he must have done a lot of research in that if he only used Enigma to uh, get data, uh, if authors could get data on things they're researching. uh, I don't know. Have you thought about the applicability of Enigma and in doing that type of, you know, even fiction research for authors?
1: I think that's, I think it's actually a very interesting tension. and, And what I, something there I find actually very interesting is trying to bring in Conversation, the more um, sort of narrative or aesthetic or sort of open-ended articulations of things, and then sort of the raw data behind them in a sense.
0: What do you mean by that?
1: It is a bit of a a stretch, but there's a wonderful data set. Um, It's one of my my all-time favorites. It was put out by the New York Public Library. It was bequeathed to them sometime in the twentieth century, and it's I think forty or fifty thousand different menus from the last. Uh, sort of 100 or 150 years. It was sort of from this woman, I believe, who just collected these things. And it's sort of from a cosmopolitan New York. And what the New York Public Library did is they went out and um, sort of led an initiative to get a lot of these menus digitized. So on the one hand, you can go and pick up or find a, a menu from you know, 1952 at some little deli on 8th Avenue, and you can see, you know, oh great, you know, like eggs and ham, five cents, or whatever it might have been. But you can also then start to sort of abstract from that. And you can look at broader trends over, you know, what dishes are becoming more popular, which ones are becoming less popular, and how is the cost of food changing over time. And these uh, menus themselves are very aesthetically beautiful. I mean, there's, there's such a range of these things. And so I think there's a big space to sort of move back and forth uh, between the very abstract and Sort of numeric and the the more artisanal individual menu.
0: What did you eat today? Speaking of menus,
1: oh, it's been a it's been, <laughs> it's been a it's been a light day. I um I was able to grab half of a pre manger sandwich before coming up here, uh, and this morning I had a yogurt.
0: What kind of yogurt?
1: Um, it's these Siggy's yogurts. It's sort of Icelandic skier or skier. I don't know exactly how you say, it, but it has a lot of protein, so it keeps you filled up.
0: Thank you very much for joining us. <laughs> Thank you. My guest has been Mark DaCosta, co-founder of Enigma. If you would like to learn more about the show, please visit our website at fromscratchradio.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at Jess G. Harris or find us on Facebook. I'm Jessica Harris. This is From Scratch.